Welcome to What's Left, the weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Barca with co-hosts, featuring socialist Andy Lipson and community organizing socialist Kenny Cepeda. Uh, we are online at what-s-left.webnote.com. Uh, folks, please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications, uh, jot down our information and share your favorite episode wherever you found this episode. Uh, joining us today for a conversation is Deyanira Calaurano, um, a mother, healthcare worker, uh, an activist, organizer, SFUSD parent, family advocate, a president and spokesperson for um, the la, el Comité de las Madres Latinoamericanas de la Misión, or Committee of Latin American Mothers of the Mission, and a fellow organizer as well, because we've been working together <laughs> on some key issues. So welcome, Deyanira. Thank you for being here with us today. Just thank you for having me. And not just key issues, but the issue of reopening schools. That's something that we've been talking a lot about. Yeah. So we are very excited to have you with us and um, to know more about your work, um, as well as the organizing efforts uh, lately that you've been working on. Uh, so um, very, 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 very just all around uh, excited for this interview. And, um, Thank you. I am personally excited because I've heard about this group a lot through Lipson and Eduardo. And so, it, you know, I'm excited to put a face to the group, you know, at least one of the faces. And so maybe to get started, can we ask you to say a little bit about Comité de las Madres de la Misión? Uh, what is it? How it, how it formed? Yeah, um, sure. And then the Latina Month Committee uh, of the Mission District um, got actually formed last summer, July 2020, uh, to be more precise. Um, the reason for this uh, group of moms to get, to get organized, it, it was the problem with the schools that uh, were not um, being opened. But in fact, at the beginning, it was more about um, to get together and to have the kids doing some activities outside. Uh, we did have, um, before the pandemic, we were having some music workshops for free here in the community. And we were getting together once a week. Um, but the pandemic hit and we had to stop. Everything was just closed and we were, you know, locked down and uh, isolated. Um, in an effort to continue, at least to get some kind of connection, we decided to move a program to the Zoom. Uh, but music is so difficult to do it through Zoom. So we were doing, um, we organized a storytelling program. It was a virtual storytelling program storytelling program in Spanish. So that way we were connected and the kids were having some kind of, you know, we were, we were just trying to get, um, not to be so isolated, not, not to be alone. And we got connected with people from Latin America. I um, got in contact with a friend of mine that was in Mexico and she's a, a storyteller. Um, so we were having a conversation and we decided to organize this. We didn't know how it's going to be, but we decided, okay, 
let's do it. And we just started. Uh, through that, every week we were having um, a storytelling time for over four months. And uh, we were getting connected with more families and kids uh, from Latin America, from Ecuador, Spain, Mexico, uh, sometimes Colombia, Venezuela, and the kids from the mission. So through this, the uh, kids were um, knowing other other cultures and you know the, the Latin American culture is very diverse so the kids were exposed through the virtual um, tool the zoom to other people and other cultures in Latin America but when the summer came and the city was opening a little bit um, we we just decided to to go out and start the music program outside. So I needed to, we were discussing about this with the moms, and I said, you know, right now, no one is offering anything in person. And the reason for, for that is because everybody is afraid of um, having, having kids in person and maybe getting sick and, you know, how the, the system works here. Um, so I, I said, you know, I'm willing to keep helping with the music workshop through the organization that I am. Um, I am the founder, Integrarte San Francisco. But we need to have a mom's uh, group that is in charge, that's responsible for it. Because only the moms can do this. If you do that, if we, the moms, are in charge and we go outside and have our kids outside, if someone comes and, and asks, something or, 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 or you know, um, they decide to complain or something, we are the moms and we need to be responsible for it and we are going to be in charge of that. So no one is going to tell us anything if we are in charge. So I just, you know, brought this to the moms and I said, for this, we need to create um, a sort of comedy of moms. And we are going to be the Latino moms from the mission, the Latino moms committee from the mission district. And then, you know, we were uh, having the kids outside once a week during the summer, and the kids were happy. They were, um, you know, for us, it was very important to have the kids together and having that contact, and also for the families, for, for the moms, because we have been suffering from isolation. We were tired to be inside, and we needed to be out. The kids needed to have some exercise. Music is a healing um, tool that helps help everybody, right? Um, so we did we did that. By the end of the summer, we all were wondering what's going to happen with the schools. Uh, it, we are from different schools. We are from the mission, but each one of us is from different schools. So we were talking about what news we are receiving from the from the school district. And no one had any news about what is happening if we are going to go back to school, uh, what's happening with the private schools. It seems they are going back, but the public schools, nothing. We don't know anything. So because I have been um, kind of organizing since the beginning of my time at the San Francisco Unified School District, I said, you know what, we need to write a letter. And we need to send a letter to the to the district asking them what is happening, what's going to happen. We, we just need to have some news. We need to be informed. Um, and um, we, it was the beginning of the school. 
a year and we were having some meetings, some meetings with the PTA, meetings with the ELAC at the school. And through that meeting, I got connected with a mom that actually is connected with the Christian the Distance um, leader with Meredith. So we were talking and we were actually already exchanging this idea of sending sending a letter because no one knows what's gonna happen. We were asking with the, you know asking to the principal, asking at the PTA with so many questions. So when this mom said, okay, I think do I have permission to connect you with this man? Because we are already um, also thinking in sending a letter. So that's the way we got connected uh, with decreasing the distance and distance, and we started working um, together on the the reopening um, efforts. And so that's uh, the the beginning of the Latino Moms Committee. It was more uh, because of the need that we had to do something for kids, for uh, ourselves to be outside. Basically, it was because of that, to, to provide some outdoor opportunity activity for our kids when no one was doing anything. Everything was closed. Everything, we felt completely abandoned. And all the nonprofit organizations were closed. All of them were providing um, programs, but it was Zoom programs. Um, for the families, especially for the Latino families, the church was also closed. Everything was closed. So is I found, you know, I, I was doing this work. I have been doing this work since my kid is 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 a, is a baby, trying to help with the developmental and you know helping providing opportunities for her his education. Especially the Latin and Latin American culture, I mean, the cultural education and the Spanish language uh, programs for him. Um, and it was a great opportunity to, to also share that experience with the families and educate the, the moms that we need to do this work, that um, sharing what has been my experience as a mom and why I'm doing, why it's important for me to have uh, my kid learning about the, the culture and the, the promoting the Spanish language. And, um, you know, with that also uh, explaining that we need to get together if we want to go through this hard um, time because um, on our own, it's gonna be really hard and it, it is hard. So we need to, create those networks of solidarity and collectively we need to go, we need to be looking for solutions to the many problems that we have. Um, I have a question about what sort of impact have you seen this work on both the, the, your, the students or the, or the children, but also what impact has it had on the mothers and the adults who are doing this? Um, it's, this very is very interesting and it's very rewarding to see um, the the positive impact that this work has had on the families. Not only you know the kids, the the, the moms, but the whole family. Um, before they were um, kind of sad and not finding you know when you don't when you don't feel that your voice is listening, 
when you feel that you are not, um, you are just excluded, you're being marginalized, right? Uh, and because you don't speak a language, um, you, 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 you really feel, um, you really feel sadness, you can, you can depress, and they were like that because they have been not listened by the system always. So when they were experiencing mm, that we, together, we could do things that can help us to be listened, um, especially seeing the kids that they are suffering because they were suffering seeing the kids inside all the time. That was the main concern. The kids being um, locked down, the kids, the kids being um, inside all the time, not having the time, playing with kids outside, having the friends. That was the most impactful. You know, that was the most negative impact that they had and they felt. So we, we you know, we were creating a community for us. To, to be able to not feel so isolated, to help to each other if we need, um, to feel some kind of hope. And the music, um, through the music we had, um, we had a teacher that's Peruvian, it's Afro-Peruvian. So it was right at the, at the time that it was happening all about, you know, the, the police brutality and this, um, Black um, Lives Matter movement and all of that. So we were living through that and we were having the music and we were also uh, having talks about the, the, the slaves and Afro Peruvian uh, descendants. And it was, you know, it was kind of education, you know, education about the race and everything that's happening, but also with the music. So all of that, and when the kids were having the music together, the moms also were together because that was our requirement, right? It's not a program that you can just go and leave your kids, but you need to be participants there. You need to be there. So it was a time for the moms. So they felt also, um, so, you know, a, a basic, right, that, right there, a basic need covered, that you have the time to be chatting, to be talking, because we need that. To share what's going on, and is you know instead of maybe having having a, an appointment with the with the provider, so you're right there with the other moms, exchanging information, exchanging ideas, uh, learning, and that has has made the difference um, with the families, with the moms, and with the kids. You know, I, I you know myself, I can say that if I wouldn't have that um, group of moms together. I probably could have been at this point depressed and sick and, you know, really, it was really hard. It was really hard. I may have a follow-up just, um, so, you know, we came together at a time where what was being said was the safeties in being apart. Um, and so you basically did the opposite, you know, you did together. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm curious, did you, what was the reception of, you know, maybe teachers or the city, you know, the, the, you know, the district that you send the letter to or, or other parents, you know, like, did you have any resistance uh, as to what you were doing? Um, actually, you know, it was, it was really difficult to get to connect with other families uh, because of 
exactly what you said. We were inviting more families to come to the to the park, um, and they didn't come. They they didn't. Um, well, they didn't actually criticize what we were doing, but they didn't come. They, I think, they were afraid. But the families that I was working with, we were not afraid. I mean, we were families that were working before. And I, I guess the difference here is that I am a healthcare worker. And I do understand the science. Um, I am a pharmacist. I am a form, foreign pharmacist. I don't, I'm not a pharmacist here. I have to, you know, I have to go through all the process to, to be able to be a pharmacist here, which is really long and expensive process so i'm not a pharmacist here but i am a pharmacist um and i am you know i am a, i'm working at the at the hospital san francisco general hospital so that give, gives me i guess um some kind of credibility with the families so they do uh, trust me and i was following the precautions i mean we were following the precautions we were outside, having social distancing, um, wearing the mask, using the hand sanitizer, um, and explaining also, explaining, I do understand how the virus works. I mean, I don't believe what the TV said, right? I mean, that's propaganda. And that has been one of the, 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 the main things that I was telling to the decreasing the distance science at the beginning is what we have in the Spanish news is complete misinformation. Our families do not have the education about what's going on in the Spanish, the health education that they need. And I was telling them, I don't know, I don't understand why, and I do work for the Department of Public Health, why we do not have a big education campaign, health education campaign, to really educate our our community in Spanish, we don't have it. We don't have it, right? It's just misinformation. And to be honest, also misinformation in English. So I was seeing that the propaganda of being out there just to make people be afraid. So you need to take precautions. Yes, that's true. You need to you need to take care of yourself. Yes, that's true. But it's different thing to be manipulated because of the, you know, using the the people to be afraid. That's something different. Um, and because of that, the families, I mean, and our families couldn't couldn't stay at home all the time. You know, our people are working. Our people is the people that is working outside. They, they haven't stopped being outside working. So I guess because of that, we, by experience, we know that it's not too much as the propaganda is saying that's so so dangerous and so so bad, right? That's not that's not how it is because people are, are have been outside working and they are you know they are workers, essential workers as, as they call it, right? Um, and at least the group group of families that I have been working, we are not afraid. We are not afraid, and we were outside. You know, restaurants were having the services outside. The, the especially the Dolores Park has been full, packed with people outside, and it was so. You know, I was so mad because the kids need to be outside. 
we need to have we need to be more intentional and helping the having those spaces for the kids and the youth they need that so i was really mad that the city was opening people were enjoying were enjoying outside but our kids were inside completely isolated and you know that was just showing me that we have a society that do not care about the kids they do not care about the, the, the youth and we need to do things differently we really need to think of, uh, about them and create spaces for them um and that's what i was doing because of my own need and the need of the moms and yes usually i do the opposite of this distance <laughs> I just, I think, I mean, I enjoy it. <laughs> and there you, uh, so before the committee, there was the committee, there, there was Integrarte, ¿sí? Integrarte. Integrarte, okay. Integrarte. Eh, no, it's, it's like integrate. Oh, integrate. Uh, yeah, can you, so there was, so there was, you, you already were organizing, a, you were doing a project then, this is before the committee, and then you kind of fused it a bit, but before, uh, sort of providing the service through this project of yours, maybe you can share with us a bit about that project of yours. Yes, uh, integrarte or integrate, um, in, in, in English, right, as the name is saying, is talking about integration. And the reason for that name is because I am an immigrant. And um, I have found, and this is what's happening with the system, that the system is really trying so hard and doing so, such a good work to assimilate the immigrants. Um, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to be assimilated. And I think it's important to, to tell the people that we, we, especially when we have this anti-immigrant um, sentiment here, that we, we, we want to be part of this, this um, country, we want to be part of this society, but we don't want to be assimilated. We want to integrate to what we have here, right? Because we are coming with um, a lot to offer. We, we come with a culture, we come with a, in a language. We have, a, um, especially the, the Latino, the Latino um, community is very diverse. We are very different. We have many countries, we have, you know, it's very rich. So even though they are trying to assimilate us, it's hard to do that. I mean, we keep our culture, we keep our traditions. Um, they are, you know, they change the views, but we keep it. Some way or another, we keep it. Um, and that was my message with this, that as an immigrant, we want to integrate. And we have a lot, a lot to offer, um, not only the language, but uh, the culture. And this, this is, you, you can prove it, right? The Mexican culture, I mean, the, the, the white um, English-speaking uh, people love Mexican food. They love Mexican culture. I mean, it's, it's something that is, is there. You cannot, you cannot, um, you know, you cannot deny that. 
And um, especially here in the city, the, the, the San Francisco is a very diverse city, and I think that's the that's the richness of the city, and that's the beauty of the city, and that's something that we really need to realize. That's a treasure. We have all cultures here, and you can learn about all of them here in one city. So we need to embrace that, and we need to. Um, cultivate that. That's the multicultural education that we need to provide to our kids. And I think that's going to be the solution uh, to, to what we are facing right now. The division and so, so much uh, racism. Um, I think that's, that's what we need to do. The Integral the project uh, was born basically with my son, I think. I, I, I said that because it was based on my own need to inherit my culture to him. And I, you know, again, because I was really, really interested in, in helping my kid growing up here, it's hard to grow in a, in, in, in a society like this. I couldn't just leave, you know, leave it to the system. I needed to learn. And I needed to learn from the beginning, uh, learning how is for a kid that's bilingual, bicultural, um, growing up here in this, this system. So I I noticed that we don't have, we don't have those opportunities for our kids. Um, when you are an adult, when you grow grow up, you have the opportunity because you decide to, to start looking for other cultures and you learn. But as a kid, there are not many opportunities for the kids to, to, to be exposed. So I, Felt that um, meet and you know I was complaining all the time, complaining we don't have this and we don't have programs in Spanish and we don't have cultural programs for you know for our kids. And I remember one of my friends told me, you know what? Um, it, it, here, what you need to do is if there's there isn't something that you don't have, you have to create it. So I said, okay, I'm going to create it. And from there, I started. I started because we do have the resources. We have everything here. We have the people, people from every, every, everywhere. So we just need, and we have the, you know, musicians. We have artists. We have, we have everything here. The scientists. I mean, we have all the resources. The human resources are there. We just need to have that that willingness and intentionality to do something to create something for for our kids. That's how I, you know, I started. I started working on that, and it has been ten years, eleven years now. I have kind of two questions for you, Dea. First question is, um, me and a, and a minority of teachers were feeling we should have opened school back in August two thousand twenty. Um, first of all, what are your thoughts about that? And I have a follow up to that question. Well, I want to know all the minority of teachers <laughs> because I think they need to be together with us. We, we think the same thing. I don't understand the reason they, you know, they didn't open the schools last, last August. They, they should have opened it. I was really mad that they didn't open it. I was really mad because there were not, you know, there were not re really reasons to have the schools closed. I know um, in general, um, the community, I mean, the people that I'm talking with, they, they are in support of the teachers that didn't want to go back. 
because they said if there's no you know vaccine, so then they are right. They are right. They shouldn't go back. But you know, at this point, we already have all the private schools and the parochial schools that were open. So it's 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 now as it, it what you said is proven with the experience from even within the families. They do have like one kid that was going to the parochial um, school, and the kid has been going since last September. And the kids from the public schools, you know, if it's middle school student, is not going to school even now. If it's high school student, is not going back to school. I guess I would like to have you respond to the reasons I was given by my colleagues a lot of times, which was one, we're going to keep the kids more safe by keeping them at remote by remote learning. They'll be more safe, we'll be more safe, and everyone will be safe by doing that. And number two, specifically, families of colors were mentioned as being more at risk with COVID, you know, our healthcare system is worse. So many teachers often said that we are, we're actually protecting our our uh, our families of color by staying in this rem uh, distance learning and being remote. Um, what would you say about those two things? Um, I would say that they they have to stop assuming what families want, and they they do not have um, the right to decide for us. You know, they need to to have that connection with the families and be basically by that, the families are, are, are also were able to see that how disconnected the teachers are from the families and they are just assuming and that has been the rule. They are assuming what the families need, what the families want, and they do not talk to the families. So the communication Basically, that was showing how the, the, the communication is broken. And it has been broken always because the teachers do not really talk to the families. You know, they just decide for, for them. And that was really annoying. And that was one of the reasons that we were speaking up because we said, no, that's not true. And we need to talk. We, we need to talk. We need to be discussing about this. You know, there's that, that's part of the democracy, right? If they just decide that they are going to speak for the families, that's wrong. That's the wrong um, part here. And now we know. I mean, it was it was a learning lesson for us, for the families. And I'm glad that some families are opening the, you know, their eyes because they usually they trust. That's part of the culture. They trust to the teachers a lot. They trust to the priests. And they trust to the doctors. But now that you know the trusting relationship with the teachers is kind of broken. In some ways, I would almost say that it is good that families start understanding not to trust in your doctor, always trust in your teacher or trust in your the leaders in the community, because families need to understand too that these people have it wrong too, and that we need to also figure it out on ourselves because I know in the Latino community you're raised to think oh pregúntale al maestro or we're going to do what the maestro says you know we're going to do what the teacher says but I'm glad many many families are beginning to see it's mm, teachers are not are not always the the go-to wise people that we that I know that people put them in place. no yes that's true. 
So you're both a frontline worker in the healthcare, in the health industry, and a, and a mother and a parent. So as a frontline worker and as a mother and parent, what would actual solidarity from educators have looked like? Since it wasn't what we offered, what would solidarity have really been for you as a worker and as a parent? That um, actually comes with the question that um, I answered before, right? If you don't have communication with the, with the parents, so you really don't know what um, we are suffering, right? If you, they they just decided to um, said that they are protecting our families just because they didn't they didn't want to go back and they were having their agenda, so that was clearly for us that they were so selfish that they are just fighting for their rights. And as a worker, I mean, I, you know, the union is for that. The union is that is there to fight for the, you know, protecting the rights of the workers, right? But we were going through a pandemic and we all were suffering from this pandemic, right? Not only the teachers. And it's really kind of, uh, sometimes it's a little bit um, insulting that they do not think about the healthcare workers and, you know, especially workers like myself. Um, and, and they think they are protecting me and my kids when I have to work. I can't, I don't have, I can't say no, right? I have to work. And we were even, the, the healthcare workers right now, during the pandemic, we were even uh, going through really hard situations. I, for example, I was working with a nurse that was deployed. She was deployed and she has been deployed the whole year. So I had to take care of the patients on my own. You know, we had to be there for the patients holding the fort. We were left alone. And then I was left alone at work. I was left alone from the school because my son is not going to school. I was like, you know, I just felt that the whole system was collapsing. It was just broken. Uh, But you, you need to keep going. You need to keep going. And for a while, we all said, okay, we are in this together. We are going to do the effort and we, we, we are going to, you know, just keep holding the fort and going, right? But then at some point, the teachers don't want to go back. And the city, again, the city is opening. People are outside kind of enjoying the life while the healthcare workers keep working. And it's like, okay, there's no solidarity, you know. They are fighting for their their benefits and their rights, but they do not think about the rest. And they do not think about the kids and they don't think about the healthcare workers like myself or mom or mom's workers for, you know, the working people, the moms that are working full time and they don't have any option. They have to be outside and they have to leave the kids alone at home. Um, in, in, you know, not in very safe conditions sometimes. And they they cannot say that they are protecting our kids by not letting the kids going back to school because it was completely the opposite. It was completely the opposite. So by this, I just realized, you know, you, you with the pandemic for me, I, it has been like, I can see clearly where a society, a, from you know a capitalistic societies 
is very individualistic and the workers are also very individualistic and, and very selfish. They don't know what solidarity means. There are people in general don't know what solidarity means, but I do understand why if you do not um, learn this when you are growing up, you don't know because you haven't been exposed to it. I am from a collective society. So I, I came, you know, in my early 30s. So I, I grew up there. I know how that works. It's different. I know what the community means. I know what solidarity means. And what they are doing is not solidarity. I mean, they do not know what it is. So we do understand the moms. We do understand that we have to do it ourselves. And we need to be creating something new based on what we have brought from our countries, our experiences coming from, you know, the, the, the countries that are collective society. Can we maybe talk about that a little more, like about your background? Uh, if you are willing to share where you're from and, you know, um, how those uh, experiences have shaped, you know, your, yeah. your, where you're at right now. And, sure. you know, I'm from uh, Ecuador, from the capital, Quito. Um, I have been living here for 20 years. I had to emigrate. 20 years ago, during the 2019-99-2000, due to a big crisis, economic crisis that my country had to face um, because of the International Monetary Fund measures imposed and also the imposition of our military, U.S. military base in this country. Um, that created a huge crisis and 25% of the population have to leave the country. Now millions of Ecuadorians have to leave the country. They went to the United States, Spain, Italy, and other countries. So it was a really, really big crisis and a huge exodus that we had to face. How that shaped me, you know, knowing that we have to face those kind of economic problems due to the U.S. Uh, foreign policy, um, the International Monetary Fund. I mean, we know who is the responsible for problems, right? And we know who is the responsible and why we have to become immigrants. So having that consciousness, um, everything that we do and we learn here, especially in my case, is, is having that in mind. Having that in mind that we have governments that do not care about the people, that we, um, we, we need to fight and we need to, you know, just thinking that sometime, someday we will be able to do, to have something different, if not for us, for our kids. It's just like, you know, living, living through that, with that consciousness. I'm from South America. South America is the part of the continent that is more conscious it has more, more consciousness about what um, United States has done to our countries. And it's very, you know, especially if you are young, you, um, you have that kind of uh, ideology, you have that kind of need that um, you, could, you could do something to change, to change what we have 
because we know that we can do something, we can have something different than what we are living right now. It's, it's not the life, it's not the, it's not what we, as a workers, we should have. We know that we, we can do something different. And that, that, that has been in my mind and um, always looking for people and for places. You know, I had, I, I'm always saying that, I'm thinking that out of all places that I could have gone, I am here in San Francisco and um, it is different. I love the city and I have been able to learn a lot in terms of the politics and, you know, different ideologies. I keep learning. Um, but I think it has been a great opportunity because I have been able to, to, you know, to be in places where and with people that that also think differently. Well, I guess the question I would have is what I hear you saying is in Ecuador, you feel like that's where you got to understand really that you really can't trust the government, that you, that people have to rely on each other and workers have to rely on each other and a more communal understanding and a more understanding that we, we have to have a struggle together to fight for justice. Um, and I wonder what are the sort of lessons that you learned once you came here? Because you're still doing that. You're still on that struggle for fight for justice. So I am wondering in, in the United States, once you arrived here, what were the positive lessons or maybe negative lessons that you learned when you came here? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the positive, uh, the, you know, the positive lessons, uh, the diversity. That's what I love. I, well, everything that I learned, um, I, I think the first part I learned in my country, but the second part and the very important part I learned in here, and I learned it through the people. When I was uh, studying, first of all, when I was studying English at the City College of San Francisco, I would be sitting with, with my classmates, right? Classmates from Nicaragua, from El Salvador, from Peru, from everywhere. And we were talking, I mean, that's, that's how I learned about history and about what happened in those countries. Because the, the, the people from Nicaragua would tell me, moms from Nicaragua, um, people from El Salvador would tell me, um, people from Argentina would tell me things that I would, you know, I wouldn't know if I wouldn't, learn from from the people because of course the governments do not want you to know about that and they they just hide and they just don't you know they just lie they hide from us the what the real things are happening right so i have been able to learn about argentina and the dictatorship the people the people that disappear are here we're talking with with friends uh you know if we if we had parties, we were talking with them, it's just sharing about our experiences, you know, from Chile, people from Chile, from Argentina, you know, all the, 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 the countries in Central America, it's just by sharing. And then with other people from other places, once you learn English, so it's just, you know, that's the reason of the diversity here. <laughs> when you When you start talking and it's like, okay, all people from all over the world. That's the reason. But I would say the most negative uh, part and the, the, the lessons that I learned from something negative is about the discrimination, the racism that we, we have here in this country. That's, that's what I mean. Um, and then, you know, culturally, 
we are different. We are so different. You know, the people from Latin America with the people from here, I mean, the white Anglo people, Anglo culture, is so different. It's very different. But I, it was very important for me to understand when that, when I realized that we are talking about different societies, we are talking about the collective societies and individual, you know, the capitalistic societies, individualistic societies, right? It was then that I realized and I could understand better many things that, you know, you, you don't understand because just you just are moving from one day to another, from one, one country to another country, and then you, you are just trying to start all over again. Yeah, learning everything. Yeah. And of course, reading, reading books, no? Reading, reading a lot of books that otherwise you wouldn't understand just seeing what you see. You have to read, you have to read, you have to study. Yeah, I mean, um, let me see. So I'm curious about your experience as a parent. Um, in, you know, I can sense out that you have a, you know, I also come from another country and I think that being an outsider gives you a different perspective when you come here and, and you realize how much you use that word propaganda there is here. You know, often we, you know, the news here talks about other countries, like, you know, other only other countries do propaganda. But I'm curious as to what, you know, you as a parent, you know, seeing your kids, the things that they're learning, especially about history, you know, um, in, in, especially from what you know, is there is there a disconnect, you know, as to what you know and what they're being taught? Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course, and and you know that's part of my my job. That's the reason why I created um, a program uh, to provide an alternative, and I'm constantly um, working with him. And this is what one of the fights that I'm doing right now with the teachers and the school. Because before we didn't have the, you know, all the Google system and the Zoom. So I was able to, to be more um, involved. And when we were doing some homework and we were checking, you know, reading together or helping him with the writing, uh, actually sitting with him doing the homework, I was able to, because I wanted to see, you know, what, what the, he's being taught. And we also talk with the moms, no, because we know what you know the kids come and they say things. So I I knew that, and I know the system is not gonna provide what I want. So I needed to create an alternative, and to provide him with that alternative, so he can have two things to compare, right? And when I'm helping with the homework, I'm just you know not helping with the homework, but also we are discussing and providing more resources. Uh, you know, now we do have with the internet more, um, more. We have access to other other sources for for information, right? And you know, with YouTube videos, it's just a lot different and better than before. Um, so I would be telling him the real story, you know, and then always try to to promote the critical thinking. Okay, at the school, they are telling you this. And the good thing, um, especially for the immersion programs, because he has been going to the immersion programs, learning in Spanish. So I have had some luck that we have teachers, you know, Latino teachers that are also providing a different perspective, not only the, 
you know, the narrative that they have to give, they have to provide, right? It's always trying to to give a little bit more so he can have two different things and he can think critically about what he's being taught, right? That has been my my um, my job as, as a parent, as a mom. Um, and right now with the Zoom and with the online school, with the distance learning, that was taken away because now they are they are on the Zoom and then they do the Google homework. So I, I'm not, I can't, I, I cannot be private, right? And I have been fighting that. I have been fighting that. I'm just taking away, trying to take away from the teacher, especially the history. And I'm doing that. I'm doing that. Um, that's my fight right now. That's exactly what I'm fighting because I cannot, I am telling to the principal, to the teachers, explaining that I want to have an alternative. I don't want him to be on Zoom. I want to decrease the time on Zoom as much as I can. Um, and I want to keep doing the work as we did before because they are taking away that from me. I am that parent that wants to be with a kid, that wants, wants to be helping the kid. And the system right now is taking all that away from me. Plus, the kid is not learning anything because we cannot learn anything on 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 Zoom. That's that's you know that's a lie. I told them. I have told them this is an experiment that is not working. That's what it is, and we need to go back to school. That's why I have been fighting for seven months to have the the schools reopen. Um. So I guess I want to stay with the propaganda, but maybe be more specific. And again, because the two areas this year have been, number one, there's propaganda about how dangerous COVID, SARS-CoV-2 is, right? Uh, there's propaganda about how safe Zoom and re remote distance, remote learning is, right? There's propaganda around that. And I would also say there's propaganda about having to get everyone vaccinated and vaccine passports as a means of escaping the first round. What, what, do, what of that, do you, I guess, how do you assess the things you're being told by media and by our government about some of these things? Yeah. About these things. All right. The first thing it was about the um, the vaccine. No, that wasn't the. The uh, COVID and SARS-CoV-2. Okay. Yeah. I know that is something that I wish I could I could have a way. To, and and that, that's one of the, the things that I want to keep doing, the education to the parents, the health education for parents. But with, with um, science, you know, it, it, showing the parents why uh, the, the, the propaganda is just there to, to make you feel um, afraid and to, to a way to manipulate you. Just explaining about the virus, how that works, um, um, why you 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 cannot be afraid, and especially right now, you know there are so many examples that is showing you that you 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 are being manipulated. If you are not afraid to be out at the uh, Costco or at the you know malls, you are not afraid to be there shopping. But you are afraid to be outside or in the schools. So there is something that is not matching, right? It's just a common sense. You are fine. 
going to a mall or being spending hours inside of a mall shopping, you shouldn't be afraid to be being in the school having education, right? If you are if you are fine going out to sit down outside in a restaurant eating, not having that social distancing. If you are not afraid of doing that, you shouldn't be afraid to be at school, sitting, having an education, right? Having your kid, having an education. And then keep providing, translating the, the, the science uh, data that we have, the research that we have about the kids not being the vectors of transmission and why they are not the vectors of, of transmission. And uh, understanding for them, explaining why the kids have are more equipped to fight. The immunology system is more equipped to fight because they do have more, um, you know, the, 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 the equipment to fight those um, viruses. And that's the reason why they are safe because they are not the vector of transmission. They have to fight better the diseases. And that's just part of the natural development, right? That's one thing. And then about, uh, you said about the, um, the Zoom being safe. Okay, that's one of the one of the things that I'm fighting right now, and I'm uh, looking for. I already went to the pediatrician. Um, I already went to to a doctor for myself because being on Zoom and being online, what they are doing is making the kids to be to to be more used to this way of like training training the brain that's what they are doing training the brain okay. and they are not only uh, having the kids online doing the zoom because the kids are not really doing zoom what they are doing is just having the camera there off most of the time <laughs> being present you know quote unquote present and then being with another window uh, playing playing the game and we all know what those games, what they do with those games. So what they are doing is just making the brain, um, the, the kid's brain addictive. And, and they know that. I mean, they know that. We don't know that. And what I want is to educate our parents about that because, uh, you know, I did um, take a course a few years ago about, it was a year, no, two years ago about the addictive brain. So we know how the, the brain works. So right now we need to do to retrain the brain because they are just making the brain of the kids addictive and yet addictive because the technology and the corporations, you know, the, the tech people, that's what they want because they want clients, they want consumers. And they are making, they are using this opportunity to have us, you know, as a consumers and next consumers, you know, being, being creating anxiety on the people and then buying more. That's what they want. I mean, that's what the system is about. So that's the reason why I'm, why I'm fighting that I'm based on the mental health because we need to save the kids from that. We cannot let them do this to our kids. This is a problem, and it's not a problem that's making sick kids. But in my case, talking about my personal experience, I'm just framing it like that. You are making me sick, and I'm not letting you to make me sick, and I'm not letting you to make my kids sick. I'm going to fight it. And then about the vaccines, 
well, again, this is just about, it's, it's about science. You know, I told you I am a pharmacist. And I have been, you know, I have, I know, and I have been studying about, you know, I know about the, the experimental phases that uh, um, medicine needs needs to to have before it's going out and having, you know, to, to the to having the, the, the medication outside for the farm for the kids for the I'm sorry for the people. You know, I don't want to get vaccinated. I want to wait. And I can't get vaccinated because I do, uh, and I'm going to say this publicly, I do have an autoimmune disease. So the vaccine could be even worse for me. So I, I just, I, I just, you know, I have to be safe. I don't want to have the vaccine. I need to have an explanation. I mean, I, ha I need to be informed. What happens with that, that nanotechnology in your body? What happens with the um, RNA in your body? Um, it, before knowing that I can, I can, I can have vaccination just like that, blind, blindly. And then I don't want to have my kid getting a vaccine because I don't know what's going to happen with him, right? If you are 70 years old, you know, just, you know, the risk and the benefits. But if you are 12 year old, I can't do that to my kid. I'm curious. So... I think some of us here share these similar, you know, questions that we have. In, uh, yeah, you know, I've had, um, I, I've been on the receiving end of, you know, like accusations of being anti-science and, you know, conspirational. And, um, you know, my curiosity is, you know, have you faced any of these, uh, you know, accusations or questions, you know, around your opinions or, or I'm just curious about your your experience, you know, because mm -hmm. I, you know, even among teachers, I think the dominant idea is that everyone's at risk, you know, in that, you know, paranoia, paranoia. I know. And, and so, yeah, I'm just curious about your experience, you know, having this opinion. At the beginning, I was telling them because it's the truth, I can't get vaccinated because it's an experimental vaccine and they don't know what the risk are for certain groups, and I am one of those groups, right? So it's it's true what I'm saying is true. But even if I couldn't have that, I well, I wouldn't get vaccinated. So I guess I don't have to explain that matter when I said, you know what, I can because of this. So that's it. They didn't. They can't say anything else, right? But I don't explain anything else because I know right now how it is, and especially the teachers. And that just makes me feel so, un, you know, so, it's like, I really feel like the teachers are so ignorant. You know, it's like they, they, they lack of information. They, they don't know about the science. They need to be educated. That's what it is. They need to be educated. And I feel so bad that the teachers that are educating our kids, they need to be educated to, to learn about how science works. And it's not just about the teachers, but everybody else. Even professionals in different different areas, they are the same. And it's just like, oh my, just I'm realizing how ignorant our society is. That's what it is. But it's intentional, right? The system wants all of us ignorant so they can do whatever they want with us. But it's, it's just about 
the, the lack of information, I mean, the lack of education. We should all have access to that information. We all should be educated. We all need to have that kind of health education. That's what we need. The society needs that. So that, that the first thing I, 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 I was realizing and I couldn't understand is why we don't have the health education, you know, the Department of uh, Health, why they didn't have big education campaigns on TV, on radio, on TV about the pandemic and how we can handle it. They don't have that. And if they, if they don't have that, it's for a reason, right? So it's up to us. That's what I'm saying. If we don't do it, no one is going to do it. We need to do it. We need to start educating our families. We need to start educating our kids, our youth, our, our fellows, or everybody. Because the government is not going to do it. The government lies all the time. Yeah, you're talking about a healthy way to see a, any pandemic, right? Any way to see a, a healthy way to deal with a situation rather than... Um, panicking mode and everyone doing um, what they're doing now and then government using that as a way to advance uh, political agendas, no? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Andy? Oh, um, so, you know, we, because we're having this conversation right now back about vaccines, this could be our last episode on YouTube. Um, so I'm wondering... So we, we're being censored. Our send off. Um, uh, but could you compare the, the the environment in this country right now around censorship and propaganda to what you might remember from Ecuador? Like, could you compare and contrast those? Because people think free country here, and they think all oh, these countries, these other countries with brutal dictators or. Uh, iron governments, they're fooling their people. Um, how would you compare that? <laughs> okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share, um, you know, this is always in my mind when I just got here 20 years ago. Um, I came with friends. I mean, I have friends here, so I came with, with them, right? I stayed with them um, two weeks when I got here. So they were telling me about, uh, you know, just telling me about the city, about how the life is here. And so they were telling me about things that I cannot do here because they do, they lived in my country. So I knew them from my country. So they did have also that experience, right? So they were teaching me about things that I cannot do, right? So they were telling me you cannot cross the streets here or well, all those things. So by the time that went, they went over the maybe the fifth or sixth, you know, thing on the list. I just said, you know, my mind, it was in my mind, this is too many to remember, right? So can you please tell me what I can do so that would be easy for me to remember, right? <laughs> so that explains, that I think explains what it is. It's like, oh my God, this is too much. This is too much. Just, just tell me what I can do. I think it's easier from, it's going to be, it's going to be easier to remember that. Um, 20 years ago, what I remember and um, when I, the, the country that I left, it has changed a lot. But um, 
you know, we don't have freedom here. This, we don't have freedom here. I, I, I'm coming from a country, a small country, a third world country, um, but we did have freedom there. We, we might not have money, we might not have all the, the resources that you have here, but we did have freedom. We did have more freedom. Um, it is, it has changed, and especially the, the biggest, the biggest changes were, um, in terms of lack of freedom, actually, came with, um, with the progressive government. That was one of the biggest changes, um, in terms of some, uh, censoring, um, people uh, censoring the freedom of the speech. It was with the progressive government. And then of course the continuation with the right wing, especially right now we do have a right wing government. Um, but the interesting thing with this is that the right wing government won, not because the people are really supporting the right wing government, but because they didn't want to have again, this so-called progressive, progressive, because right now we is very clear for us that the, the, the left, wherever it is, the left is the left of the system. It's not you know the real left that we need to, to fight for a change. Because it's, it's the same. now we are just seeing it. It's just realizing that the system is a system and it's not going to change within the system because it's so corrupt that. And anyone that's gonna go into the system has to be, you know, has is gonna get corrupt. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's, it's a system, it's a system. And that's why we need to change the system, right? But it's, by experience is already well known that it's not gonna change from within. Yeah. Um, and the only thing that we have right now is um, to keep organizing and to keep creating new alternatives you know, from the people and for the people. That's what we are, people are doing there is a fight, is a long life, you know, fight for everyone. But we need to do it and we also need to do it here. I mean, um, I just wanted to comment that when you were talking about, you know, basically these fascists, you know, um, the fascist approach and the censorship, the controlling, the managing people. I, I thought you were talking about our progressive party here. <laughs> you know, that, you know, <laughs> we got a history, you know, is not one or the other. They are both part of the system. And, and in fact, just like you described about Ecuador, when we look at the Democrats, they have a lot of blood of their hand in their hands, you know, a lot of racism, a lot of, a lot of, you know, fascism you know persecution of people incarceration of people and so that's just to drive the point home that we don't live in a free society um that that you know because of the indoctrination the propaganda that we're subjected to we accept this notion that someone else has it worse that you know these countries are, are you know are worse than we are but you know we we better wake up soon because you know things are changing and fast yeah yeah so there's a lot of talk now about, okay, return to school. It's in person now. Hmm. Um, and, and some schools are returning. Yeah. I mean, there's like high school even, but elementary and middle school a little bit. 
high schools and middle schools a little bit, but elementary. What do you think about what they're talking about, this return to school? Um, and well, you must have questions because your work with the committee is continuing. So that's why I wonder if you could say something about what, how do you, what, how do you feel about the plan that they're talking about for return to school? Um, and maybe what role do you feel like you the, and the committee and the mothers will play uh, in these next, hope to play in these coming months and years? Uh, yeah, actually yesterday I did um, comment at the Board of Education meeting and I did it as a part of the um, PTA from Everett and uh, what we are now talking and what we are requesting right now is a plan for um, for the resources and what's the plan for the, the, the help for the students, the, the students that are coming back right now, the most vulnerable students, the English learners, um, you know, all the students that have been left behind. Uh, it's not just, we, we, we were just telling them that it's not just about um, inviting them to the buildings, but what's the plan for them? What's going to be the education plan for them, the resources that they need, how they, how the district is going to support these kids to actually have the high quality education that they deserve. If we help creating and bringing those resources for those kids, for the kids that have been left out basically of the system, we will be supporting all the students in the district because we do have, especially the Latino students, the English learners and the Latino students out of all the students are the ones that are usually worse. Uh, and they are, you know, just always, just for decades, historically doing worse than the system. That shows that the system is broken. That shows that the system is not working. So we want to know what is the plan to change that, what resources are needed, and how we as parents are also be, um, be are going to be part of the solutions that will be um, in place for to make sure that the kids are going to succeed in the school. And we want to have, you know, have graduations. We want to have kids going to college. We want to have, we want to make sure that they go to the university. We want to make sure that they are going to be prepared to go to the university. And now that we're returning some, I mean, I personally believe there that all schools should be open. I think elementary, middle, high school, everything should be opened right now. And right now they're doing it in phases, is what they're calling. They're doing first elementary school, like my nephew can go, right? Este, and, then, and then for middle and high school, some focal students can go, like newcomers and foster kids, and right? I understand why they, they are thinking this way, but I feel like we're leaving behind students like your son. And so I feel like we're leaving back our our students who, when we're like in tier orange right now, and the plan for all of this should have been done way long time ago by the board or whatever if they want it. But I, over this journey, I've realized not to depend on the board. But I'm just saying, what is your feeling about that, that they're doing it in gradual succession, like, do you think that that's the way to go or do you think that all schools should be open 
or do you agree with all the plexiglass that they're putting all of that How, what are your feelings about all of that uh, no um of course i want i i don't agree with that i uh you know i have been fighting for the schools to to be reopened all schools for all students you know i i have been fighting since october and here i am i don't have my kid going back to school and of course i don't agree with the you know the plexiglass separation and i i don't agree with that but at least now you know it was really hard to have the schools reopen it was really really hard um and the unions are the ones that are basically fighting hard to keep the schools closed you know is the union is the union leadership so and, and some teachers i mean that makes me think what is you know you usually the, the leadership you know bureaucracy and leadership it for me when i i know i see leadership is like they are at other places now you know they are not for the people they do have other interests so what's going on why the union president is always trying to prepare the 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 the, the, the as you said the soil to again trying to say that we have now the variant because i i listened to her yesterday that they want to make sure the vaccines are going to be um safe for and they're going to be they they're going to help all the variants you know safe for the old variants of the viruses when she told them really i really you know i really it, it makes me think that she really doesn't doesn't read about science she really makes me think that she needs to be reading a little bit more you know she really needs to consult with with the, with the doctors she really needs to be educated because um when she talks she's make, she makes me think that she's preparing the 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 thing to say in the fall we cannot go back to school because now we do have a new wave and we have variants and the vaccines are not working for the new variants so the teachers won't go back because we are protecting the rights of the teachers and we are protecting the, the kids and this is just a narrative now it's basically like she's working with someone and just someone is someone up there i don't know who is just telling her what she needs to say you know because she even said that before even the propaganda news was saying that it's just like hmm she already knows what's going to happen before the doctors that's weird so I don't I don't of course I don't agree with that and I think that's also one of the reasons that I have been working on okay if we want to be safe and you're not safe and you don't feel safe inside let's have the classes outside let's move the school outside let's, let's move the, the school outdoors because we are not going to keep the kids inside we're going to fight we're going to fight if and I'm feeling that now we're going to uh, fight you know as like parents against the teachers because that's what they are you know having us they are going to have the, the parents really really mad really mad and i i think you're kind of getting at that with that last thing about you know taking the classes outside or continuing the education outside 
is there any way you could even be uh, more like what role do you see for the committee of mothers to 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 fight in the future and what what is that fight going to look like um well there are some parents that have been doing some work a lot of work to help hopefully planning school classrooms outside outdoors and i'm hoping that we could um the district could um, embrace that and to help every side to to have to have that option and to have classrooms outside um decreasing the distance have now um many 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 parents that really support that and uh, they, they they have the skills they have the specialties and they are willing to help promoting that and i'm going to be working with them on that you know by the time when the time comes and i'm actually already uh, promoting that i'm trying to uh, promote and push for that at Everett school um and you know right now we we don't have the it after yesterday i think the the, the district the superintendent and the boy members are going to be more supportive of that some that's my hope that's my hope if not, I mean, we just need to keep organizing and to have the parents um, promote that, advocate for that. So they are here on what's left. Andy is a socialist and Kenny is a socialist. They they, they call themselves socialists. And, and I, I'm, I, don't, I'm, I don't identify as a socialist. I identify just as a leftist, de la izquierda, leftist but libertarian that doesn't, that always is afraid of government um, overextending its reach in any area. How would you describe your political beliefs? Where do you uh, fall in the political spectrum or just your political views in general? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, uh, I also have had some kind of, um, not trouble, but hesitance to label myself as something right because I want I, I need to I need to learn a lot more to <laughs> basically to set but to call myself this or that right um and I'm learning I keep learning um but just thinking about the my beliefs my ideology that we as workers have to have the, the the right of education, the right of health, the right, I mean, basic rights, that we don't have it here, right? Because here, health is not a right. Education is not a right. So it's the basic, basic rights that we don't have it here. So, because I do believe that, I, I believe that we should have a high quality public education and it, it should be a right. And the government should um, provide, I mean, should ensure that those rights. Same thing with the education, with health, housing, work. Um, so if, if you, if you, because I do believe that and I fight for that. And if that's part of being a socialist, I should say that I'm a socialist. But basically, I'm just fighting for basic rights, just a basic human rights. That we don't have it here. If 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 we had the kind of education system, mm. well, yeah, that we that we 
that we, what would be your vision of the kind of education system you would want? Um, and I also would kind of ask, I don't know if this is a good question, but like to get there and to get to these kinds of changes, these rights for workers, do you think we can get there under this capitalist system or do you think it will require some kind of revolutionary change? Um, and I'm gonna uh, answer the second question and then I'm gonna go for the, the, the first question. If we need a revolutionary change. We cannot change it within the system. Uh, that's, you know, that's definitely that's the only way. And then for the education, um, I think what I am doing with the moms, educating the moms, and also um, having this alternative, a different way of learning, uh, an alternative, we can start by experiencing people. People, you know, everybody learns from experience. Kids learn from experience. Only hands on, right? That's the only way to learn. So if we if we are able to to start practicing, to start doing it. You are gonna see and you're gonna learn from that, and then it can grow, right? So that's what we are doing with the Integrate. Integrate is a program that promotes that kind of education. That at least that's the vision, right? That's the vision of this program. To provide an alternative that's freedom that you can you 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 respect the the kid you respect the differences by respecting the language of the other culture by by learning the other culture you are already changing something right because we are moving from the white supremacist system and education to a multicultural, bicultural and multicultural uh, education. The changing is right there. When you are educating our kids in a multicultural um, education, providing that. Um, with that, uh, the experience that, you know, we just had a uh, meeting with the moms in the, the, the weekend. To, to be talking about what's the next steps and how we are going to keep organizing. Uh, and, you know, it was really, really beautiful to listen to them when they said, we were able to see that this works, that we together can do something for our kids and for ourselves, that we together, we don't, we don't have money, but we are workers and we work. So they were able to see that working together, we can raise funds, and that, that money was um, used to provide uh, some kind of activities for the kids, right? And also for the moms. So they were able, with just a very small example, they were able to feel it, to experience that. So now they said, now we know that we can do it. We can do more. And that was very beautiful because that, that was something that you can also do it through the experience. And the moms already feel empowered. You know, they already kind of felt that they can do it because most of the time the workers feel they cannot do it. They cannot do it. They just have to work for the minimum wage. And, you know, that's just the, 
the way it is and you can't do something different. You cannot escape from that. But by creating something that shows them that collectively we can do it, that makes a big difference right there. And now they want to do more. And it was beautiful because they said exactly what it is, right? For workers, we don't have money, but we work. And that's exactly what it is. I mean, that's our power. And that's our power. And we do not realize that workers have that power. We work. And we are the ones that are producing the, the, the everything, right? It's ours. It's just that we are so alienated that we don't realize that. And it was really, you know, it was really powerful that. I mean, they, they don't know how important it is. But for me, it was right there. That's exactly what it is. That's what we need to instill on them. They're proud of being a worker. It doesn't matter if you are, um, you know, a low-income worker. You are a worker. That's what it is. You are a worker, period. And you are important because you are a worker. Okay, Kenny? I don't have a question, just a comment. You know, um, well, thank you for waiting for me, by the way. <laughs> uh, you know, I... Uh, I'm really honored to share, to be able to talk to you. Um, I, you know, you're inspiring to me in, in, in you are powerful and, I, you know, I wish you were unique, you know, and I don't mean that as an insult. <laughs> I, when I hear you talk, I hear my mother, you know, who shaped my life and, like set me on this revolutionary path, even though she doesn't call herself a socialist, even though she realizes that she's always about community. And she's like realizing that she's been brainwashed to think of communism as something, you know, negative. Mm-hmm. And, but she's always advocated for people. She's always empowered people. And my hope is that, you know, that this group grows in, in power, you know, and in, in empowerment of, you know, Workers of all kinds, right? Not not just the 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 educated class, you know, um, just workers in general, you know, because everyone's had a say, everyone has a stake, and you know, you're in a fight of self determination, you know, and and that to me is a fundamental part of communism, you know, of communities having your community have its voice, be heard, and when you're not heard, you push back, and so I, regardless of the government. Regardless, if we you know, especially when it's our leaders, our chosen leaders, you know, and and so thank you. I I, I suspect we'll see each other, you know, in the community uh, because I will be reaching out. Uh, there are mothers, you know, that are, uh, you know, that I think might enjoy that that space in in you know who care very much about their kids. And, and find themselves be you know isolated and sometimes talked down to by the professional class. You know, the, the, sometimes teachers don't think of themselves as workers; they think of themselves as professionals. In some, you know, and so I appreciate what you're doing. I'm really honored to again to meet you and and looking forward to talking to you more. Great, thank you so much. And actually, that would be so helpful if um, we can have more moms. Um, you know the moms that I'm working with. Um, sometimes they don't they don't see me as the same, right? Because I am a professional, and um, I know they feel that that difference. And I that's really 
that's not right because we are the same. And I have been, maybe because I work as a health um, educator, I have learned some skills to be able to connect with the with the patients, you know, that actually are the family, like families that I'm working with. So I learned that and I had to learn how to connect with uh, patients from different countries and from different languages. Sometimes at the beginning, I, I, I thought, how, how I'm gonna be able to help this patient when I do not speak the same language, right? And the, one of the, the, the things that I learned uh, in my work is that um, the, the respect and um, the kindness does not have all language. They do feel it. When they, they, when they feel respected, they, they, everything changes and they are, they op- they are so open. And you can communicate, even even if you do not know the language. So the, the workers, what one more than anything is respect, and it's something that they don't they don't have it. I'm also seeing that. So that's what I do. I just um, respect respect the families, respect the moms, and um, because I have seen how they are treated and the, the, the level of racism and discrimination that we suffer here. Um, I just always thought myself, I, I want to be the voice of those moms of those families that cannot speak um, for whatever reason, right? And because you see the injustices and you see how our community is being treated. But we need to change that. We need to empower. We need to teach them self-determination, as you said. That's where we, that's the key. And now is more than ever that we, we have to realize that, that we need to practice that and we need to keep practicing solidarity and mutual aid. That's the only thing that's gonna help us to go through this and through everything. This is just, you know, an opportunity. The pandemic has been very, very, uh, mm, impactful negatively to to our community but also it's a good opportunity for all of us to see finally what we need to do face it face that we need to change this because what we are seeing right now that that wasn't normal and the normal wasn't right um and yeah i'm happy I'm, i will be happy to keep working and to organize because we need more people we need we need help i need help you know, it's like I have been holding the phone and have been trying to create this. Now it's like, I need help. Really, I need help. And the families need help. And the kids and the students need help. And if you need my help, I mean, we we, we, we can do it together. Yeah, and I, I'm sure your mom is, is a communist. I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm sure even though she doesn't, she doesn't really <laughs> think that way. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. So that does it for this week's episode. De uh, Anita Calaurano is a mother, healthcare worker, activist, organizer, SFUSD, parent, and she's a family advocate, president, spokesperson for the Comité de Madres Latinoamericanas de la Misión, Committee of Latin American Mothers of the Mission. She is also the creator of Integrarte San Francisco project, which we will link in the episode notes um, there so that people can go to it if they, if they are more, inter- if they are interested in, in joining. What's Left is a weekly political podcast as channel challenging the mainstream left. We post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes wherever you found this episode or on our blog at what-s 
dash left dot web dot com. You can find past episodes to this podcast slash channel there and connect with us. I remind folks if they like anything you've heard, if you like anything that you have heard here, please share your favorite episode, rate, review, subscribe to any of our eight platforms on Spotify, uh, iTunes Podcast, Stitcher, Google Play, or BitChute, Libri, LBRY, or Odyssey, or YouTube for now. Let's see how long we last there. And if you would like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog. Thank you so much, Dea. Thank you, thank you. I'm Eduardo Barca with co-host Andy Lipson in Kenny Cepeda. 